Welcome to the Drinking with the Saints podcast with Mike and Alexandra Foley. Where each week, we mix a bartender's guide with the lives of the saints to help you celebrate the feasts of the calendar with liturgically correct cocktails. Let's get started. I'm Mike Foley. And I'm Alexandra Foley. And we are delighted that you are here. We have an exciting episode. We are going to have a birthday party for... The Blessed Virgin. Indeed, September 8th is the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Also the name day of our daughter, Mary. That's right. Maybe we can talk a little about name days. We should. And we're also going to continue our five-part series on how to drink like a saint, and we will reveal the second secret. We got moderation out of the way. (laughs) We can check that box. Yeah, we shouldn't get it out of the way, though. It has to stay in the way. I feel very moderate right now, but I'm not going to push like I always do for you to hurry up and make the cocktail. I can be patient Mm. because I'm told that's a virtue. Yes, it is indeed. So how about this? You could tell me what the drink is going to be. Wet my appetite, so to speak. All right. Well, I will, but then we have to explain a couple things. All right. All right. In all good mic time. Gee, thanks. (laughs) It's going to be a Sazerac, (gasps) which, according to some historians, is the oldest Oldest cocktail. cocktail. The first cocktail. Always makes me think of New Orleans. Absolutely. If you haven't had a Sazerac in New Orleans, you haven't lived. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, I learned to make a Sazerac from the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans, which invented the Sazerac. That was really fun. We went to a friend's wedding there. Hi, Kevin and Deanne. That was so fun. And we went to that hotel. And it was part of the research. And we got it done. Sometimes research is terrible. Sometimes it's fantastic. Like having a Sazerac, tax deductible, at the Roosevelt Hotel. Roosevelt Hotel. I haven't even had a drink yet. Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans. That's some pretty yummy research. Yeah, so why don't we turn to the cocktail now, and then we can explain why the Sazerac for today. Okay, I can go for that. So this is kind of an unusual cocktail. It may even be called a mixed drink. We won't enter into that debate. Not this episode. Aye, aye, aye. That's, that's a whole episode. So... The traditional Sazerac is a bit strong, and it does not involve the use of ice. So it's made in an old-fashioned glass, and usually an old-fashioned glass is filled with ice. As previously discussed, an old-fashioned glass is like a tumbler. It's a low one. That was I can't remember which episode. We discussed glasses. That's right. So an old-fashioned glass is like a short glass. Also called a low ball. A low ball. Yep. So usually low balls are filled with ice and like an old-fashioned cocktail. Mm -hmm. And the Sazerac is a lot like an old-fashioned cocktail, but it it requires ice. What you do with the Sazerac is you freeze the glass. You put it in the freezer until it's nice and cold, and that is what cools the drink. Do you wet your glass before you put it in the freezer? I don't think you need to, but you can. Because I've heard that makes it icier. That will make it a little frostier. Also, I would think I would like that because the Sazerac doesn't have any ice in it, as you mentioned, nor water. Yeah. It's three ingredients. It's usually rye. Mm -hmm. You can also use bourbon and simple syrup, which is obviously equal parts sugar and water. Yeah. And pacho bitters, which is a bitters made in... New Orleans. New Orleans. So that is a very local brand. And it's a little different in taste than Angostura bitters, which are probably the most popular in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's a good drink. Oh, and I forgot the most important ingredient. And the reason why it is assigned to September 8th is a splash of absinthe. 
Because absinthe make the drink go down faster. That's not at all a saying. Okay, you make the drink and I will read you the instructions. Okay, I like the way that you do this because instead of just doing a splash of absinthe, because it's, it's a strong flavor. Some people really don't care for anise flavored things and absinthe is very anise-y. And a small side note on absinthe, there is actually a remarkable history. Uh, a certain kind of absinthe is made from wormwood. Right. As well as anise seed. Mm-hmm. And the United States outlawed it for a period of 100 years, from like 1917 to 2017, right. because they thought it made people go insane. Like Van Gogh. What they didn't realize is that the people weren't going insane because they were drinking bottles of absinthe. <laughs> They were going insane because of alcohol poisoning. Right. Because they were drinking bottles of absinthe, not Which because they were drinking absinthe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sounds miserable. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was outlawed, and then they made substitutes for it, but then it was brought back. So you can now have genuine absinthe, once again, made from wormwood. And I like the way, as I was saying, I like the way that you do it, because a lot of people don't like too much absinthe, and so you have it in a little spray bottle. Exactly. You, you could also put some in there and pour it back in the bottle or pour it out. I've seen that done too. This is what I learned from the bartender at the Roosevelt Hotel. They use those tiny little atomizers okay. or spray bottles. If you don't have one, that's okay, dear listeners. You can just add a little and pour it out. That's correct. So yeah. the older idea is to swirl just a splash of absinthe in the glass and then empty it out. Mm-hmm. But you can just as easily use the atomizer, which is what I'm going to do. Okay, well, I hope that I go insane for this drink. And now we are going to do my favorite part of the day, the cocktail time. Absinthe. So that was just absinthe being poured. So your instructions, Mike, say one splash of absinthe and you do a spritz. Yes. And then a half a teaspoon of simple syrup. Okay, I'm going to do that now. Two ounces of rye. And here you shouldn't be afraid to actually use a good rye. I'm never afraid to use a good rye. Well, often you can get away with cheaper ingredients in a cocktail. Sure. But because this isn't cold, the flavors of the the whiskey are going to be more pronounced. Okay, great. Uh, so two ounces rye, and then two dashes of Peixot bitters, and a lemon twist. And then I think we should stir. Also, your note says, a Sazerac takes little to no ice. If you are following along with us, you will not find this drink actually on the Feast of Our Lady's birthday, but you'll find it on page 57 for St. Joseph. Why St. Joseph? Just real quick. Simply because of his popularity in New Orleans. All right. And it's a manly drink. Okay. All right. So here is the toast that's recommended from the last call. And it actually ties into the reason for this drink and the anise seed. But let's do the toast and then we'll do the explanation. Okay. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose birthday we celebrate today, may Almighty God, who sows and cultivates the heavenly word and who tills the topsoil of our hearts with spiritual rakes, Always look upon us with merry eyes and a cheerful countenance. Cheers. Cheers. I will be much more cheerful after this drink, too. Yum. It is stronger without the ice. It is. But Sometimes you need that. Yeah, but it's But good. it's still really smooth. It is it, smooth, like, yeah. You know, a lot of times you'd think, 
when I drink whiskey, I like to cut it with a little bit of water just yep. to bring out the flavors and make it, you know, less of a shock. Right. Uh, but this still, maybe I guess because of the simple syrup, still is so really smooth. And the lemon is just fantastic in there. Like it really, because there are so few ingredients, you really do get the lemon. The little bit of the essential oils when you, we should explain too, how to do a little lemon twist. It's actually not, not supposed to use a wedge of lemon. Right. But you take the you peel. You just use the, the rind. And you can use one of those fancy zester things, or you can just take a vegetable peeler and just take off the very light. You don't really want to have much of the white pith in there. And then you twist it over your glass, and you can see that little essential oil pop That's out. That's right. It expresses. It ex- yes, it expresses. And a lot of times you'll go to these fancy bars, and they'll um, hold a match up to it. And you can mm-hmm. see it actually like kind of ignites these little sparks. It's pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm. We are not that fancy here at the Drinking with the Saints household. <laughs> no. No. But the well, lemon really We like it when it. other people do it for us, though. <laughs> exactly. But not what they charge us for it. Indeed. There is a reason why we drink at home. <laughs> That's right. So many. So what's the deal with the Sazerac? Why am I talking about anise seed and absinthe? One of the customs for the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary is the blessing of seeds and seedlings for the autumn season. So September 8th, you're going to plant a fall garden, which you can do in some regions of the United States, such as here in Texas. That's right. It's a good time. it's a new beginning. Well, it's also, you know, you collect seeds Mm -hmm. at the end of summer, right? Your seed heads grow and they dry and then you collect the seeds. And so you have your fresh seeds that then get to be blessed, even if you're not going to have a fall garden. So what is a seedling? A seedling is after you have planted a seed into dirt, and then it makes it like it's a tiny little plant. Mm-hmm. Simply said, a tiny little plant. So, so I remember in kindergarten, we had like tiny little Dixie cups. Egg cartons. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we, oh, it's so we cute watched to think it of grow and germinate. Little kindergarten mic sounds adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I was a lot more moderate back then. <laughs> so, so. so that's cool. So you could bring your cute little egg carton seedlings to the priest sure. on this day. Or the ones you bought at the nursery. Yeah. If you're my kind of gardener. Yeah. That's neat. And it's kind of a neat tie-in to the feast, right? Because the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary, so she's a little seedling. Mm-hmm. In the whole uh, economy of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And that last call, that toast I gave, that was from the blessing of seeds and seedlings from the old Roman ritual, which was the traditional book of blessings. And I just really love how it, it goes to town with the allegory. Yeah, the raking and the topsoil of our hearts with spiritual rakes. That's so funny. Tills the topsoil of our hearts with exactly. spiritual rakes. That's so funny. God the Father sows and cultivates the heavenly word and tills the topsoil of our hearts with spiritual rakes. Yeah. I also like the very end, look upon us with merry eyes and a cheerful countenance. Like, yeah. You don't have a lot of ritual, rituale blessings that talk about, look merry upon us with and, merry eyes, yeah. M-E-R-R-Y. And I don't think yeah. they were making a dumb pun like we do that's on our right. show. Yeah, know, especially since it was in Latin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And w- merry eyes and a cheerful countenance. Oh, yeah. that's so nice. Well, I feel much more cheerful after this delicious Sazerac. Thank you, Mike. Oh, you are welcome. And now... Now what? I'm on pins and needles. What you got for me? <laughs> I got nothing. I thought you were going to tell us what to do. Well, I'll mention one other thing. So we are having a cocktail. We made the cocktail, but this is also a very big wine day. It is the Feast of Beginnings, if you think about it in terms of seeds and seedlings, but it is also the Feast of Endings. In France, this is the occasion for a great grape harvest festival. 
As a matter of fact, the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary is nicknamed Our Lady of the Grape Harvest among French winemakers. All right. So if you have a fondness for French wine, I highly recommend you uncork a bottle and toast to Our Lady tonight. We'll do a trivia question about wine and a trivia question about this feast day. So it's trivia time? It's trivia time. All right, let's do it. go. (laughs) Are the shapes of wine bottles significant? Yes. You win. I win. Okay. (laughs) Well, we can just end it there. And I think it's different for each country, but France is interesting that you can tell the region of the wine based on the shape of the bottle. I like to think about the shoulders of the bottle. Right. Some bottles have sloping shoulders and some bottles have sharper. So the two I remember right now is the sloping shouldered one is a burgundy. Okay. And the, what did you call it? The other kind of shoulder? Sharper shoulder. The sharper shoulder is a Bordeaux. Okay. Yeah. And sparkling wines are going to be different because they they need to have that reinforced bottom. The bottom has like the... the, Because of the double fermentation. Like if you hold a champagne bottle, it's got this dip in the bottom of it. That's right. And that is because the that bubbles... That keeps the bottle from exploding. Exploding because... During the second why. fermentation. Okay, yeah. interesting. Any other trivia, Mike Foley? Uh, yeah, and so California wines follow the same taxonomy as the French. Okay. So if you have a California wine and it's got the sharp shoulders, as you put it... Sure. Then you know the prominent variety, varietal, is going to be a Merlot or Cabernet Sauvignon, because those are the reds from Bordeaux. Okay. But if it's got the sloping shoulders, you know that the the type of grape used originally came from Burgundy. You know so much. You are so smart, as we say in Boston. (laughs) Thank you. That was so intelligently said, too. Thank you. (laughs) You are wicked smart, Mike Foley. Wicked smart. All right. So for the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, here's another trivia question. How many earthly birthdays are celebrated in the church calendar? Okay, I can get this one. John the Baptist. That is one. Blessed Mother. Well, that's two because that's today. It still counts. (laughs) Jesus. That's a big one. And that's it. You win. Yay! What do I get? Another drink? (laughs) You get another drink. So, only three earthly birthdays, which is interesting The term birthday in liturgical language means their heavenly entrance, right? So the early church would celebrate a martyr's birthday, but what they meant by birthday was the day they died, because the belief was, especially for a martyr, Mm -hmm. the belief was the minute you die in your blood for Christ, you go straight to heaven. So there's no doubt that the day you die is the day that you are reborn in heaven. So they always referred to a, a martyr's death day as his natalitia, oh. his birthday. Natalitia. What's the yeah. litia? Does is it, it mean is, little? Well, nativitas is a word for birthday, and natalitia is another word for birthday. Yeah, for nat- some reason, they always said natalitia. Okay. Huh. So what about people who were probably going to purgatory? Yeah. So that's what's interesting. We're, you know, in a future episode, we're going to do Padre Pio. Mm-hmm. There is a belief based on some vision, this is not church teaching, but it's kind of interesting to think about, 
some guy claimed that Padre Pio visited him after Padre Pio died. Sure. And that Padre Pio, of all people, spent three days in purgatory. Oh, that is awful to hear. Well, what's interesting is that he did three days in purgatory to atone for all of the crowds that he attracted and all the unrest that he caused at the monastery. No, the bar, I'm sorry, the bar cannot be that high. Well, I'm Padre, never going to get out of purgatory. Padre Pio gladly did it, et cetera, et cetera. And then he, he got to enjoy heaven very soon. This is soon. now the worst part of my no, day. No, that is kind of depressing. I agree. But the point is, a confessor saint, that is to say, a non-martyred saint, it's conceivable that they could spend some time in purgatory, even though they are holy, even though they're a saint. But what's fascinating is martyrdom is, right is a straight ticket to heaven. I like that line from Flannery O'Connor. She could have been a martyr. If they did it fast enough. Oh, yeah. I think about that all the time. Like, yeah, I could be a martyr. It's just like really swift. Yeah, that's right. I mean, also, I had just gone to confession. Yeah. But yeah, like a swift death. Yeah. I think that's my best hope for skipping out of the purgatory I deserve. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I'm going to go seek that out. So we got a lot of heavenly birthdays on the calendar. But what's interesting is there are only three, and you, you nailed it. The Thank Blessed you. Virgin Mary, Jesus Christ, and St. John, John the Baptist. Baptist. He's got two. He's got his... Heavenly birthday, his martyrdom, August 29th, and then of his earthly birthday of June 24th. Okay. And the Blessed Virgin Mary, only she and Jesus have a th- an extra distinction. Their birth is celebrated, their death is celebrated, and with those two, their conception is celebrated. Oh, good point. We celebrate the conception of Jesus Christ on the Feast of the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. And we celebrate, obviously, the conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary on December 8th, which is nine months before September 8th. Surprise! The feast we're celebrating now. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's really neat. It's cool. And that obviously has to do with the fact that there is an immaculate conception in both cases, right? Both Jesus and Mary were conceived without original sin. Which seems like something to celebrate. That's right. <laughs> right. And the tradition about St. John is that he was conceived in original sin like everybody else, but he was sanctified in the, in the womb. womb. So he was that. conceived in sin. He had original sin, but the effects of original sin were removed by the Holy Spirit while he was still in utero. Probably at the visitation. That's right. That's probably at the visitation. And according to the tradition, he never committed a sin. He didn't commit a mortal sin, and he never committed a venial sin. How nice for him. Yeah. Whereas the Blessed Virgin Mary, whom we celebrate on September 12th, no original sin, no venial sin, no mortal sin. Oh, I'm sorry, not September 12th. September 8th. September 8th. Today's the 8th, right? (laughs) You're right. Sorry about that. I'm thinking of the the holy name of Mary on September 12th. Okay. Well, speaking of dates, we like to celebrate our daughter Mary's name day today. And we, we celebrate regular birthdays. We're not weirdos. Uh, but we also like to celebrate a name day and keep it low key. We've got a lot of kids. We don't want to be you know, doing some giant thing every name day as well as every birthday. But we have this lovely tradition of the name day, which is particularly lovely because Mike does all the work. Yeah, and which isn't that much work. No. And the tradition is that he takes the children, the child to mass in the morning, usually gives them a little gift like a rosary or something, some, a, a book, something spiritual, and then takes them out for breakfast. The breakfast of their choice so they can pick any restaurant in Waco 
which has a vast array of breakfast choices. Not really. Jack in the Box or McDonald's. (laughs) Just kidding, Mako's great. No, we have two IHOPs, so I'm just saying. You and your love for IHOP, I will never understand. But anyway, that's a whole podcast on its own. So anyway, we'd like to celebrate name days. Well, it's never been quite the same since I can no longer draw with crayon on the tablecloth. You, know, <laughs> it's just... you have some childhood memories you need to heal somewhere so you can get over your IHOP. Thank you. But the name day tradition is very cool. You honor basically your baptismal name. And so you got your earthly birthday where all the secular gift giving can take place. But the name day is a chance for you to sort of connect with your patron saint. And in some cultures, the name day is a bigger deal, like in Central and South America, than your birthday. Uh, The Italians even have a greeting for it. Buono onomastico? Buono onomastico. Yeah, that's cool. Happy name day. Happy name day. Mike also uses this opportunity to connect on a one-on-one basis with our kids and even have some of those hard conversations. Well, I always ask him about like I kind of do a spiritual checkup with them. Right. You know, like, how are you doing this year? How's your faith? Do you have any questions? Right. But uh, I have also used the occasion with my sons right. to give them the, the talk. Birds and the bees. <laughs> birds and the bees. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a good time. Yeah. And then Alexander get, does the same for the daughters. So anyway, we were, we're big fans of name days. If you don't, don't have this tradition, it's just not a big deal, but it's just so fun to honor their their saint. And it just helps them recognize the importance of having a patron. That's exactly right. Good. Well, shall we turn to the second secret to drinking like a saint? Okay. How to drink like a saint. The first lesson which we discussed in the last episode was to drink with moderation. I knew that. And the I, I do that. Second lesson. Why are you looking at me like that? Is to drink with gratitude. gratitude. Oh, you got that one. Good Thanks. for you. Homework. <laughs> so gratitude and moderation are actually tied together. Chesterton has a great line: "We should thank God for beer and Burgundy by not drinking too much of them." Amen. And gratitude is a much ignored virtue these days. We live in an age that is increasingly focused on entitlement and privilege and getting grievances rectified. But gratitude is a profoundly different movement. And speaking as parents, I think it's one of the most important things to teach your children. And then it's also one of the most important dispositions to have as a human being. It's one of the four ends of the Mass. It's one of the four ends of Mass, Thanksgiving. And to quote the very profound series, Veggie Tales. (laughs) For a thankful Thankful heart heart is a a happy heart. heart. I'm glad for what I've got. Holy cow, I I didn't know you could go that even that far. (laughs) I think think that's as far as I can go. Is this Madam Blueberry? Madam Blueberry. Yeah. I'm thankful for let's not yeah, let's not go there. For one thing, it's it's unbecoming before the third round. (laughs) But I mean, think about it. Have you ever met a happy human being who was ungrateful? No, they seem analogous. I mean, they just yeah. You cannot be happy if you're not grateful. Yeah. And I have seen people in the midst of plenty, people with enormous privileges and opportunities and talents. And if they've got a chip on their shoulder, if they're resentful or ungrateful, doesn't matter. Right. And you could take a different person with nothing. And if they have gratitude, they have everything. Yeah. They don't have two nickels to, to rub together. But if they have a grateful, happy heart, 
So how does this relate to drinking, Mike? When you drink, drink with a sense of gratitude. Drink with a sense of thanksgiving, not with a sense of resentment or unhappiness. Drink from a perspective of joy. And should you be grateful too for like who helped you, who made your drink? It's almost a sacramental opportunity, is it not? Mm-hmm. Everything in our lives, whether it's in our glass or on our plate or around us, is in a sense a divine sign, hmm. pointing us back to a generous creator. True. And the proper response is gratitude. Thank you. Right. Yeah. I mean, for us in our happy hour, I'm so grateful that I survived a day <laughs> as a busy mom of lots of kids homeschooling. And I'm grateful for that I, I have the opportunity to have, you know, a half hour with my husband yeah. or an hour or an hour and a yeah. half. <laughs> I like that so much, Mike. And I again, back to that, uh, the rituals, beautiful, rituales, beautiful uh, blessing that God will look upon us with merry eyes and a cheerful countenance. When, when you smile at someone, they smile back. Yeah. Right. So for us to have merry eyes and a cheerful countenance towards each other and towards God, he will do the same for us. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us to your health and holiness. Cheers. Thank you for joining us. Please get in touch with us via email at podcast at drinkingwiththesaints.com. Or on our Instagram page at Drinking Saints and find Drinking with the Saints book series at drinkingwiththesaints.com or wherever fine books are sold. The Drinking with the Saints podcast is produced by Back Row Media.